0: Hello and welcome to episode five of Matthew Unmuted. Today I've got another guest on, Saul Christie. Good afternoon, how are you? Yeah, good mate, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one because we've got quite a friendship. Uh, I've known Saul for three years now and then um, we, we started our friendship at our PT sessions. And uh, it's turned into something beautiful.
1: <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. That's,
0: that's what it is. It's a thing of beauty. Yeah, it's, um, it's amazing how fitness can bring two idiots together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, today is going to be a little bit about our PT journey together. Um, we're also going to talk about um, Saul's uh, disability, cerebral, cerebral palsy. So, Saul, why was it you wanted to actually start doing personal training?
1: Well, I had uh, I had trained a lot when I was younger. I was, as you mentioned there, I was born with uh, cerebral palsy, mm. um, and uh, so I was very, <clears throat> from a very young age, I was encouraged to get involved in uh, in sports. Yeah. Uh, the first one was swimming. Um, obviously, again, from an exercise, originally from an exercise point of view, it was recommended to my parents at that point because it was non-weight bearing, it was good cardio and everything else. So we started uh, recreationally and. Uh, kind of was from that was sort of fed into the, the disability sport sort yeah. of, um, stream of events and things like that so I was competing from a young age. And what um, was your what was, what was it you were competing in? Uh, well I at the height of my powers uh, I, uh, I was a member of the, the Scottish uh, junior and national squads I captained the junior squad and um, I had to stop swimming. and I stopped when I got to 18 because I went to uni and I stopped training. And then, as fate would have it, I did nothing for a few years, and I was picked up by the, one of the coaches for the, the Scottish National Disability 7 South Football Squad. Yeah. So I played football for a few years as well. So I've always been in and out of sport, and uh, the gap of a good few years that I had before I met you was the longest I'd ever done gone without kind of, doing
0: to fit the space. And was it maybe was it me starting the sessions with Sue that got you involved, or do you think it was something you wanted to do anyway?
1: It's, no, you're right, it was the, it was the fact that
0: Matthew was working with
1: my wife a long time before I got involved with him. Um, no, it, Susan had started, my wife had started with you and, and had recommended you and I had been uh, kind of toying with the idea of, because when, when you, for me anyway, when, when you're fit when you're younger, you get older and you don't recognise that you're not fit anymore. Yeah. Like I would do nothing for five years. And then I would get invited for a kickabout with friends, <laughs> and I would have the nerve to question why I wasn't able to run about the pitch and and have the cardio that I had when I was ten years ago, when I hadn't you know, I hadn't exercised, and hadn't done anything, and I would come off the pitch shaking my head <laughs> and be like how I do, like I did when I was twenty-five. So I had been thinking for a while that I wanted to get back into some form of exercise. I had just taken up playing football again, and uh, Susan started with you, and very quickly said, "You should, you should have a chat with this guy."
0: Well, you came along, and um, I'd already been working with. Um... Obviously, Susan, you know Susan well now, other Susan, mm. uh, my client who had the stroke. And yes. this was my second kind of uh, second attempt at taking on a client that had a disability. Mm. Um, so I was very new to it. But when we had the consultation in the in the, the lounge, you just, yeah, you seemed up for it in a way that really inspired me. And we went downstairs for that fitness test on every single exercise I got you on. You just took it so well, mate, like the, the bicep curls. I know you struggled on a few of them, but you could see there was so much potential there
1: well like i knew i knew from from being younger i had been in gym and being around people who were fit so again I, I knew i wanted to i knew my body fit knew what it felt like to be fit and i knew you know with the bit of work we would get back there um, and what what i liked about your approach at the time was you said listen we're not going to train you as an athlete with cerebral palsy we're just going to train you as an athlete Absolutely. and i always wanted that we're always the way i trained with swimming and everything else was you trained as close as you could to what your mainstream counterpart parts were doing and if you had to make adjustments then you made them as and when you found they became necessary not because you didn't start with an adjustment you didn't look at an exercise and think well I can't do that so I'm going to do it this week yeah you know uh, you try an exercise and if you can't do it then you modify it and that was our that was like a model for how I've lived my life for somebody who's a disability. I was always taught from a very young age that if you can't do something through your disability, that's okay. okay. But you learn that through trying it and not being able to do it, not through deciding beforehand that you, can, no, you, know, you can't you can do it. My that, that was something that my parents instilled in me from, from a young age. So I've applied that to everything, through education to uh, to training as well. You train
0: as normally as you can and you make adjustments as and when. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring up one of the tests. Uh, we, we were actually just talking about this before. Um, so this is when we we started giving it. I start giving you inspirational quotes to make make mm-hmm. sure you were pushing yourself. And um, so we used to do a test on the exercise bike where I would get you on for a mile and a half, and you would go as fast as you could. Oh, man, and, that um, and on these podcasts, I usually give out a quote. So this is really important for you because I said, um, whatever mind, whatever your mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. And I told you, I said, when you give up, it's usually your mind giving up on you, your yeah, body's got a does. lot left. In, yeah. um, and you said to me that was one that stuck with you.
1: It did stick with me, it stuck with me for a long time. They, they, um, I'll get on to the bike session in a minute. The, the, the story that I always remember that we didn't speak about before we, we started today that I'm gonna remind you of was that <laughs> When, when it's all right when we um when we had that chat and i made all the right noises about yeah you know because you were speaking about nutrition nutrition and i was saying well you know i'm ready to go there's no point in paying you to get me fit and then i'm going to ruin it with my diet you know i can train i'm going to be fit i want to do this but, yeah, i made all the right noises and then i went downstairs to get changed for the first session and realized i hadn't brought my shorts
0: Oh yeah. So I
1: did my first fitness session in suit trousers. I liked it. Work. Mate. I, I liked was it. Squatting in black suit trousers because <laughs> I had an agency meeting that afternoon. Where I, it wasn't a good look. But you still did the session. I did the know? session. Yep. Yeah, sweated still- all the way home. But no, the, the bike was. Um, that's right. You said to me that I did. They did stick. That you had said that most of the time it was your body that uh, or your mind that gives up before your body. Although I think we the day we did the bike session. Um, both pretty much
0: gave up. But you, you got a PB that day. I did remember. get a PB and oh, yeah. I nearly lost my lunch as well. A couple of other exercises I want to bring up for you. Now, this is uh, this is really important because obviously with cerebral palsy, it's a condition that affects the way you move. And we looked into early on your press-ups. Mm-hmm. And that was an exercise that you struggled with massively. You couldn't quite get set up in like a press-up position. Yeah. Along with that, you can not get set up into a plank position without going on your knees. Yeah. Um, so you can now do press-ups fully for 20, 30 reps, and you're in the full high plank position, no bother. Uh, along with that, you can also do a chin-up, which was something we had to work on for, well, it was actually about eight weeks we did work on that, but it should have been a lot longer. If we'd done that at the start, you would have taken a lot longer to get that exercise
1: yeah and the the chin-up didn't feel like i
0: get back to the press-ups
1: the the chin-up was quite strange because it didn't even feel like a gradual thing like sometimes with the press-ups you could see progress like we would go on the knees and we would do this but the chin-up just felt like one week we could do it and the next we couldn't do it yeah and the next week we went in and and it was there and so yeah to be able to do the chin-up was a a big thing for me because like you say it's, it's very much about Uh, about mobility and functionality. And the the thing is, the thing that I always say is that um, when people, you get asked, what does it feel like? Or how is it for you to have cerebral palsy? And the answer that I always give people, my wife and anybody else who knows me will back this up, is I always say, well, I don't know because I don't have a basis for comparison. Like, I don't, you know, I don't know how it feels for you to move or to do a push-up. When you have a condition from birth, it's all you know. So you don't have to adjust. It just is. So often you get... I don't want to use the term sympathy because I don't like that. But often the empathy you get from people is because they think you must have had to make some big adjustment to do whatever you're doing. And really you don't. Yeah, It's just, it's the norm. It's, it's what you grew up with, so it's how it is. So because, again, that feeds back to I always try and train as normally as possible because for me it just has always been the way it is. You know, I know that my, kind of to break it down and to make it simple, all cerebral palsy does for me is that my muscles have to work slightly harder. To produce the same output as somebody who's able-bodied. So yeah. if you and I are running at the same pace, my muscles are working harder than yours to, you know, to produce the same output. That's if I had to dull it down and explain
0: to people. It's lucky you I have must. a lot up here, so you've got that mental strength. That a lot of people don't have well i was incredibly fortunate that from a, a very young age first of
1: all my parents brought me up the right way like i say they were always you know if, if your disability is an obstacle that's fine it can be an obstacle and we can overcome that but it can't be an excuse yeah but i was also i didn't know at the time but from from kind of 10 11 years old i was in the company of, of some of great britain and scotland's uh, finest paralympians i was training with paralympian swimmers. makes a big difference isn't from it? 12 13 years old to they just these guys would give you a slap if you were, if they thought you were slacking. You know they would leave you no uncertain terms that you couldn't. If they, they thought you were being lazy or milking anything, man, you didn't get to do that. You know they had the they had the proper mindset, and they would just. I'm exaggerating there, but they would always steal you the right way. They always had the guidance. They always had stuff on nutrition, on and if you ever had a down day, you know they would bring you back up. These you know I didn't re- now I'm incredibly fortunate. I realise now how incredibly fortunate I was to be able to train these people. And, uh, and still to be able to call all of them you know, friends today, but it was the best possible upbringing for somebody. In oh, yeah. that you had to learn how to train pro- properly and how to not let a disability kind of define them. I
0: couldn't have asked for. It. And when you did kind of have a break with exercise, what mm-hmm. do you think it was that caused that break? Was it someone maybe, because maybe I remember we talked about, like, did you have much support from physios or other... Trainers. I
1: think what, what happened was that when I trained really hard, I was training hard um, until it came time to finish school and to start uni. Yeah, yeah. And I had I had all the intentions of, I went to uni in Glasgow and I had all the intentions of joining the swimming club there and, and keeping going. Because I knew it could be done because I'd seen people who were older than me who had gone to uni and it kept going and it progressed and everything else. So I knew it could be done. Yeah. And I tried to approach it with the right attitude. But obviously you go into like, We went into uni, we had freshers, we we didn't do anything there. So it was a few weeks before I started going. And I knew I had to do something because for the first time in my life, I had a stomach. I had a little belly, which I I I had abs, believe it or not, when I was 18 years old. And they disappeared after a few weeks at uni as the diet and everything went out the window. So I knew I had to do something, yeah. And I went to, I'm not going to name any names because I don't bear any malice against the guy, but I went to to one or two sessions of the, the Glasgow Uni swimming club at the time and had a chat with the the head coach there. And it became very, very obvious to me very quickly that he really had no interest or showed no interest in in coaching an athlete with with a disability. Whether he didn't want to do it or through no fault of his own, he just didn't have the knowledge. I just didn't get a vibe from him that he wanted to work with me. So I didn't go back, which is partly my fault because I could have persevered, I could have trained by myself, which is obviously difficult to do, but I could have done it. I had guys at home who would have sent me schedules so it's a little bit laziness, yeah. but like everything else that we always talk about with fitness, uh, Matthew, it's habit. You get in the habit of not training, of eating the wrong things, and, and it doesn't take long before you're, you know, before you're out of the habit of exercising. So that was how the break came about, and it probably lasted, what would I be, 18 years? There? It probably lasted four or five years. Four or five years. Till I got in tow with football. And they had a, the football was a new setup then. The Scottish Disability Sport uh, Football Team was a new setup, new coaches. They got a little bit of nutrition and a little bit of fitness and things on the go, not as strict as it would be with swimming. And that kind of put me again back on the right path for a little while. Yeah. Uh, and then that stopped. So it's, it's just kind of flitting in and out of the of you know the, the good and bad habits. But that was why the break came about because I went to uni. It was a big lifestyle change, you know, shifting surroundings. I was a little bit homesick anyway, and I wasn't able to keep up with. Yeah. the good things I was doing.
0: Now one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is um, just to get awareness out there for anyone else who maybe has a disability that's maybe scared to take up exercise, scared to take up resistance training. And I wondered if there was any advice you would give to somebody um, if they wanted to get into that type of training. I think particularly,
1: just if, if you're thinking about doing it, just really take the plunge and do it and if you're talking about for people specifically with disabilities then mm-hmm. in, in a lot of cases I would argue it's more important because with people specifically with cerebral palsy and similar conditions as you know it's the same with everybody else but it's it's accentuated with us as we get older our muscles skis up or seize make it up, stiffer yeah. anyway so from the biggest thing that i've taken from the sessions that i've done with you is that my general mobility is so much better i'm moving about much better as were, yeah i'm, I'm centered much better my center of gravity is better I'm, I'm more solid on my feet you know it's a kind of typical treat for people with cp that um sometimes we trip and we fall uh, i didn't do that much of that anyway my balance is all right for somebody with cerebral palsy but i've certainly done less We've probably had a few falls later. Oh, I, I fell a couple of times in the gym, but you had me on the bike for about six minutes before then.
0: So yeah, <laughs> oh, like then nice. you? Yeah, yeah. You get kind of fell back once I tried to
1: catch you. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> but uh, no, so the, big, the biggest thing, and the, the, the quote, you know, I know you talk about quotes on these podcasts, the quote that comes to mind is, um, I saw my father, I, I, I see him more than a couple of years ago, but I, uh, he moved to Spain, so I don't see him as regularly as I used to.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, he's back in Scotland now, which is good, but there's often I kind of, period of time where I don't see him. And I remember seeing him after, I think, a year or two when we had been working together. And his remark was, obviously, he'd seen me go through all kinds of physio stuff and all the doctor stuff that I did when I was younger. And he said to me, in no uncertain terms, the decisions I've been doing with you had, had done more for me than any physio you'd ever seen in terms of mobility and stability and things like that. So that's the biggest thing. And I suppose just that it can't be done. You know, yeah, if you yeah. train in
0: terms of advice, just go and train like anybody else would train. You know, I completely agree. I, um, I basically, as soon as you came into the gym, I treated you as a completely normal client. Uh, we we had that relationship of just, we got a lot of banter together and we had fun in our sessions, but we always tried to progress forward. Every session it was trying yeah, but to it a little bit I mean,
1: I always try and compare myself to, to, to your able body clients and everything else. And yes, there's times you have to keep yourself trended and you have to look at when you're lifting, you have to say, well, you don't lift as much because you do, you know, I have to acknowledge that, that condition's there. Yeah, of course. You know, course. I have to give it its place. And, I, you know, so there's times when I've been saying to you, well, we should be lifting this much. And actually, you've had to remind me, well, remember, you know, you're not working with for fully functional limbs like yeah, anybody else. Yeah. So we have to allow a little bit of that. But no, the reason it works so well is because you, the approach that you take with me isn't any different to anybody else. No. And I remember thinking about that, going into that first consultation you were talking about and saying, thinking to myself, if this guy tries to wrap me up in cotton wool, this is not going to work. And thankfully, very, very
0: quickly, it became apparent that you weren't going to You weren't going to do that. And I was obviously a lot younger back when we started. I was, like I said, it was very new to me, the Mm -hmm. whole um, training somebody with a disability. But I loved every second of it. And I think training yourself and training Susan um, made me a better PT, definitely.
1: Well, I was impressed very quickly because it, was, I was these things to stick in my memory. I remember two or three weeks in, you coming back to me with suggestions for exercises that were specifically aimed at improving yeah. balance and functionality and mobility. And that was without any prompting from me. I didn't sit with you and say, look, I've got cerebral palsy, so I want to work on this, this, and this. Yeah. I said I want to train and get fitter and lose some weight and get a bit more toned. And you then very quickly were coming to me and saying, Listen, we can do all this, but if we do X, Y, and Z, this yes. is going to help you with this as well. So I knew from from early days that this was. I was working with somebody who knew what they were talking about as well, and that it wasn't the case of training
0: differently. You were just, we were training to improve things that needed to be improved, and to, yeah. to, to work on weaknesses, which is what anybody would do anyway. Another amazing thing. One of my newer clients, uh, I won't I won't name her, but one of my newer clients, her daughter has um, cerebral palsy, and she's looking to get into to exercise, and she actually saw you running around the back with me. So we were doing a little run and she was just like, I really want to be able to do that and um, because she can't run. She she just her her, her mobility, or her movement's not quite there yet. Um, would you have done any of that before the PT license, a run or something maybe a bit more intense than walking? Would you have done any of that?
1: No, no I wasn't doing it. And that's the thing. This is, you know, I, I, I don't want this to come across as corny. You know, if I can do it, anybody can do it. But that's how it is. Yeah, like, I wasn't just, exercising. And you only need to look at the pictures that are up, my my kind of progress pictures. It's blatantly (laughs) obvious to anybody that looks at my first pictures that I wasn't exercising. Hated running. Didn't like running. um, Didn't like the thought of exercise for a long time. Typical. Wanted the results without having to put the work in. But, you know, slowly but surely mobility mobility improves. Now I can run. I don't like it still. But, you know, particularly in, in the times that we're living in just now, it's, it's a necessary thing for cardio. So your client who wonders and looks and thinks, you know, I, I wish I could run like that. It wasn't that long ago that I wasn't running. Yeah. And um, we, we
0: only actually started doing that when we did the outdoor sessions. Because that's another thing. We've done outdoor sessions. We've done online sessions. And we've done gym sessions. So you've stuck with me the whole time. Um, through lockdown, it was difficult because we had just the camera. And that's all we, we got. But we still made it work. Um, but touch on some of the other things that can like exercise can help with super palsy in ways that it reduces your risk of injury as well yeah Um. obviously we said it reduces your risk of falling and mm-hmm. um, improve mobility flexibility yeah. and also helps with weight loss which you've mentioned as well That losing the the body fat, losing the weight has helped you feel a bit more mobile anyway that's oh, crazy i mean it, it, it's one of these things that hits you once you've done
1: it that when it, really you should think about it beforehand if you think that i think i'm Probably now at one point, I was four or five kilograms lighter than when I first started working with you. I mean, I put some back on now in muscle, but at the height of when we were doing weight loss to begin with, I think I lost about nearly five and a half kilograms. And if you think how much weight five and a half kilograms is just to pick up and carry. Exactly. If you imagine taking that strain off your legs and off your knee joints, it's no wonder people's mobility improves.
0: Yeah. You it's know, it's, it's that
1: basic, but people don't think about that outside of the context of fitness. If you imagine just lifting, it's like walking around with a belt around your waist that weighs five and a half kilograms. If you can
0: imagine taking that off and putting it down, exactly. How much lighter you're going to be? People right? people don't realise it until you actually sit and hold this weight. That's the that's what you've lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, they don't
1: realise it. Well, yeah. I remember holding kilogram weights as a, as a kid in primary school because we used to do them for maths, and thinking holding one kilogram and thinking God that's heavy. And then so he, you think four or five, and then you think that's what people lose after a few months. Yes. You know, it's it's no wonder your mobility improves. And that is really important with people with cerebral palsy, particularly if they're not getting out and about much anyway, because inactivity is one of the worst things for, you know, consistent inactivity. Yeah. Is one of the worst things for weight gain. If you're not moving regularly, you know, the, the, and, the, and the diet's not right, which is easy as well. That's easy. the two yeah. things for, you know, a few weeks like that, and you, the, the pounds are going to go back on. So... Yeah, it's just, I don't think people realise, particularly at the start of, of a weight loss thing, how much they can lose just by getting up and moving about. Just, Movement, yeah. just don't sit on the couch. Exactly. You, know, you don't have to be in the gym, you don't have to have the sweatbands
0: on and, and you know pumping the weights. Just don't yeah. sit on your backside all day, just get up and move around. And that's what you've learned, so that's yeah. something you learn learned over the past few years. And another thing we want to touch on is, um, obviously, you do your singing, which I think a lot of people on this podcast should go in and listen to your lives. <laughs> I think um, I really enjoy your singing, and I like that you've got the same... Uh, music taste as me <laughs>
1: I had uh, um, I've been a, a professional singer now for I think it's 20 years this year actually uh, 20
0: years it's been a life. strange
1: year to celebrate that, that milestone having not done anything for
0: nearly a year so but yeah. you had your first I saw I saw a little bit your first gig actually was that at the weekend
1: I had my first gig back at the holiday parks just on Saturday night there. Yeah, one of the agents that I work for has the contract for all the holiday parks in Scotland. So we, we normally do two or three circuits of them a year. So I was back on a proper lit stage in front of people for nice. the first time in the weekend. Um, yeah, you can. I'm on um, my music page on Facebook Is the Sol Christie official. That's S-O-L, So and um, so Christie official I've been doing loads of loads of streams on there just to, a bit like you you know you the, the same way as you had to adapt to, stuff, to, yeah. to, to to doing the online stuff there's thousands of singers all over the country who you know 14 months ago wherever it was when we first went into lockdown everything just stopped yeah. you know i was doing 100 shows a year at least and a you know all of a sudden nothing so people you know people were looking to social media for for music and entertainment and so it's a learning curve, just like with the fitness. It's about, you know, motivation and everything else because working out, you know, it's one thing getting up to go to the gym and it's another thing, you know, having to do stuff in your living room because I, I always said as well, like, anybody can get up and go to the gym on the morning when you wake up and you want to go to the gym or you can do a workout when you wake up and you think, I'm going to work out today, yeah. but it's the ones where you wake up and you think, I really don't fancy this, where you have to really talk yourself into going for the run. Absolutely. You have to talk yourself into going to the gym. Those are the ones that make the difference. Again, it's all know, pyramid In my yes. head. Because um, I had a nice routine worked out pre-COVID, whereby I would go away on a Friday night, um, I would do one or two shows in the weekend, but my days were free. Yeah. So I joined the gym in Edinburgh, and I would go to the gym through the day. So I would be, with, you know, without having to make time, there was two or three gym slots in my regular routine. But of course, when COVID comes along, that stops, and all of a sudden you're training in your living room, you're training in your garden yeah and of course for the first lockdown you're not going out because you're not allowed so obviously exercise has always been allowed but people are not keen to go out and run it so I trained uh, I had myself a decent place and again this is where I keep you know I, still now after all these years I still fall down a period of doing really good things and then stopping and putting some weight back on or losing some of
0: the fitness you know, Matt, I've been up and down two or three times. Happens to all of us. Yes. But you have shown consistency over the past few years that you maybe wouldn't have shown before because you've you learned that it's a lot to do with your mentality, enjoying what you do as well, because you now love weights and you now... Yeah. It's, it's part of your week, isn't it? It's a great part of my week. And also, it doesn't. the
1: other thing as well that you learn is it doesn't take long to get it back. So you can sit for six to eight weeks and not do that much. And you put maybe a fair bit of weight back on and you can see it and you start to think, like God sake. But six or seven weeks of good consistent training and of course diet good consistent yep. diet as well brings you right back to, to where you were so and the other thing I had which we, we all have as well is I had a couple of injuries um, yeah of course which can happen to anybody that's not cerebral palsy related that was just injuries I picked up through training. um but thankfully now touch wood I'm I'm in a period we were in a period of good training I'm, I'm injury free and I'm, I'm back to where I was at, kind of at the height of my fitness dream absolutely right now, your, so.
0: your press ups and even like your bench press now fantastic yeah uh, and just your upper body strength and full body strength is uh, fantastic um but yeah last thing i want to mention is um you yourself how what do you see the future in terms of your fitness like what, what do you plan in terms of goals and what do you want to achieve i just want to keep going and see where we can get i mean it's like i was a
1: i was a fit guy when i was 18 years old i had very little body fat my cardio was good I was plowing up and down the swimming pool for you know for hours at a time and I honestly think that it's not it's a cliche and it sounds corny but if you had said to me when I was in my early 20s and not training that by the time I hit 38 years old which I will do next week that I would be fitter than I was when I was 18 I would have laughed at you but I'm convinced I'm there I'm I'm certainly I'm certainly stronger And physical, I would, I tell you what, I would have loved would have been to, because I wasn't doing as much weight work then. If I could take the physical strength that I have now into my training when I was 18, 19 years old, it would have made a,
0: you know, a hell of a 100%. difference to and, had, to and I actually, uh, I mention this a lot with clients is sometimes it takes somebody to believe in you first. Yeah. So if you had somebody right there next to you saying, right, I believe you can do this yeah. and I will train you until you do it, yeah. you would have been a better athlete. You would so, have... yeah,
1: I, I, I'm motivated now by. I'm not a vain person, but I like to look in the mirror and, and like what I see. Check I, out the guns, mate. I, I, Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. I pose every morning. My wife can't get <laughs> me in the bathroom. I, I like I like that. I, I like to be able to to you know I, I can I run two miles two or three times a week now, which was unthinkable Before. just six months ago. So I like that. Just kind of constantly looking at how far we've come, watching the videos that you put up, but you know um, and long long term again these are the things that i'm doing now we're going to make sure that in 10 15 20 years time i'm still fit enough to, to run around the park with my my daughter you know if she wants to yeah. i've got a five year old daughter who likes to go out and and play football in the garden and, and you know run around the park and, and run away from me in the supermarkets that's one of the other things by the way you talk about signs of progress i didn't i always meant to tell you this story as well. was that when um when my daughter first started to walk and I hadn't started working, working with you yet, so I was carrying the weight and I wasn't very mobile, <laughs> and my cardio was zero. The first thing that she learned to do to get a laugh out of my wife, was to run away from me when we were in the supermarket. Oh, so girl. she would stand up and she would, I just had. To, she just had this look that said, right dad, get your trainers on, because you're going to be jogging <laughs> in a minute. And she would disappear down the clothes aisle. And I would have to weird. chase her. And I would get halfway down Tesco's and be breathing out my backside. <laughs> chasing this little five-year-old who would be hiding behind the clothes rack somewhere. And, uh, she's faster. So I can run faster than her now, though. Yes. I definitely can take want, her mate. over
0: 15 meters, anything longer than that, and she's got me. But. I, didn't, I, see, I didn't add that into your uh, achievements. <laughs> I can add yeah, that into your achievements. On, that needs to be on your next post. Um, but, yeah, so the reason I want to get you on, like I said, is just to spread that awareness. And I, I like to give my clients a chance to share their stories as well, yep. because this is a great story, and it's something that will hopefully inspire somebody to to get on their shoes, go out and exercise, go out and run, do something physical. Um, because we have seen it make a big change in a positive way for you. Well, um, some cliches
1: are, you know, some cliches are corny and other cliches are accurate. But one of the accurate ones is that if, uh, you know, if one person listens and thinks, you know, like if your client or whoever listens and thinks, uh, you know, that, that could be me, then yeah, absolutely it could be you. Because I'm not, I mean, I've got a fair degree of, of you know, of uh, mental strength, which has been important. Yeah. But, Physically, or that I'm not anything special. I just dig in. You just work hard. Dig in, yeah. and, the, and you know, and and the results come. And the more you work hard, and the results come, the actually the easier it gets because it becomes there's more motivation to work hard the more you see the results. So I, the, agree, the, the I agree. The first block is the hardest because you're working from scratch, where maybe you don't feel fit, you don't look maybe the way you want to look, you haven't done it. So that's the one where you really have to dig in the most. But for me. As soon as you start to see the results come, it has a snowball effect. So you don't you the, really. the, the, the motivation to work is there more naturally, and it's not as difficult to convince yourself to get up and do it. I agree, or to you know, or to watch the diet or anything like that. So I would say, I think as well, if, if you're sitting thinking that, that you know that it's going to be tough, then it, it, it is tough, but it gets easier.
0: You get, it, especially if you have someone by your side. Yes, which, yeah. is, which is
1: what you're really good at as well. Motivationally, you get the balance as well, just right between. Um, you know kicking somebody's backside just enough but you know working yeah you do and that's important for PT.
0: Because client support is that. one of the most important things and that's what we have which is always good. Uh, anyway thank you so much for coming on Saul. and um, hopefully we get somebody out there listening to this and getting inspired by our story and um, I'd like to have you know somebody else on here with a disability as well just get that awareness out there for people who can and benefit from doing exercise, because you have had so many, so many incredible benefits from this, yeah. um, but thanks for sharing your story. Not at all, thank you for having, thanks for the coffee, the best coffee I've had all week No Wait. problem mate, Alan said the same thing, I, I made it myself <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll get you a Starbucks next time, or like a, a Costa or something like that I want one of
1: those little brown biscuits on the side plate next Oh time the biscuit, the oh, coffee mate. was alright but you're, you're slipping with the side plates
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right, so pleasure having you on um, and thank you for listening guys Thank you bud